Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be home. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I got a new Bible. Um, well, it's not new. It's the same Bible, but it's new. I, I got it on uh, May 17th. And I've already read it three times, and I'm on my fourth time now. And it says, I dedicate this Bible to Isaiah 53.5. I, I want to know the price and reward Jesus purchased for all of us. And Isaiah 53.5 has four lines. The first line is, he was uh, wounded for our transgressions. So the first line of what Jesus purchased for us is forgiveness. Are you guys glad we can be forgiven of everything? And the, the second line of Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was bruised for our iniquities. That's your nature. That's what you were born like. That's like, that's like the depths of who you are. That, the second line is Jesus' sacrifice provided more than forgiveness. It provided a, a, a blood stream that can actually cleanse us from all sin. How many are glad that Jesus can cleanse us from all sin? Amen. The third line says that the chastisement of our well-being was upon him. Now, that's an awesome line. That means that he has paid a price not only for our spirit to be forgiven and cleansed, but also our soul and our mind to be delivered and healed. How many are glad that the sacrifice of Jesus doesn't just cover the spirit part of you, but it actually covers the emotional part of you. Is that good news? And then the fourth line is this. It's um, by his wound or his stripes, you were healed. That's your physical healing. How many are glad that Jesus' sacrifice covers your spiritual needs? your emotional needs, and your physical needs. Is anybody, ha is anybody glad about that? Come on, you guys. And so in my journey of these last maybe 13 years of full-time ministry, I had an unbelievable revelation on the first two lines and the fourth line. Like, I got forgiveness. I get it. I need it. So when you need something, come on, it's like you dig in. And I, I, I actually got most of the forgiveness verses memorized. And then the second line of cleansing, purification, sanctification, I got great revelation on that. I'm so happy that he can do that. Aren't you glad he can do that? And the fourth line, by stripes, you were healed Come on, I got revelation on that. I actually memorized all 243 verses that talk about healing. I got those three lines, but the one I was missing until this year since COVID was the third line. And I'm going to talk about it today. I'm going to focus on your well-being, your emotional state, your, your mind, your soul. You know, 3 John 2 says you're only doing as good as your soul's doing, so we need to get our souls set free. Amen? And so, 
Isaiah 61 says that the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. But the first thing that I want to point out, and this is what I want to focus on this whole service. Jesus got anointed so he could bind up broken hearts. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have broken hearts. So, Father, I pray you'd breathe on your word today. Breathe on our hearts with your breath. Just like you hovered over the waters now. Breathe into us. Give us your breath of life. And I pray, God, that when this gathering is finished, that everybody's hearts would be healed. Our minds would be set free. And we would walk and taste freedom like we've never tasted it before. Because it's for freedom's sake that you died. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a lot of ground to cover in one service. Because what I'm going to do usually takes two or three days. So you guys are my guinea pigs to see if I can do it in one service. I will describe what Jesus came to do. The last part of John 10.10 says that Jesus' job description is that he came to give us life. And that life would be more abundant. So if your life is reflecting that, that means Jesus' job is being done in you. Now, the devil's job description is opposite. (laughs) And it's the first half of that same verse where it says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you feel like you're losing hope, if you feel like you're depressed, if you feel like you're discouraged, if you feel like you're hopeless, then probably the devil's getting his job done in you more than Jesus is getting his job done in you. Would you guys agree with that? The fruit of what you're living is the reality of who's getting their job done. Amen? It says in Acts 10.38 that Jesus went around healing everyone. Aren't you glad he does that? And (laughs) Hebrews 13.8 says he's still the same. Like, so if he went around doing it then, he's probably still doing it now. Right? He went around healing everyone. But here's the caveat that was oppressed to the devil. Nobody needs healing that's not oppressed to the devil. Or Jesus would have gone healing people that weren't oppressed to the devil. Now, Jesus is the picture of what a Christian is supposed to look like. Like he's the original Christian. That's why we call ourselves Christians. Come on, you get it. So if he had to go around healing everyone because they were oppressed to the devil, then there must be devils. Come on, there must be demons. They must be real. They, they, they're not like some history thing where well, they're, they're gone. They're only in Africa. Really? So my, my question is today, have all of you asked God to forgive you of your sins? Has everybody in this room asked God to forgive you? Raise your hand. If, if you've asked God, I want to be forgiven. Okay, amen. So everybody's, if, if you believe it, you're forgiven. 
Has everybody in this room asked God at one time or another, I don't want you just to forgive me. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to fill me. I want you to purify me. I want to be all in. I want to be totally yours. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Raise your hand. Okay, so look, look, okay. So if your heart's clean, if your sins are forgiven, then why do you have those thoughts? They're not coming from your heart. Must have an enemy. Come on. 1 John 3, 8 says the reason why Jesus came is to destroy the devil's work. Well, I want him to take over this service and knock the devil right out of here. What do you think? So, so, that, so that when we leave, we're in total victory. Now, you may think, well, how do I fight the devil? Well, you don't fight him by fighting him. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that it's all the, all the lines where the writers of the New Testament, they never said, well, make sure you have enough oil and you have a backup team and you get some power of agreement and then you just put all this together and then declare no. You know, like, here's some of the Bible narratives of how you, how you fight the demonic. It's like Luke ten nineteen says, I just give you authority to trample on scorpions and serpents. And no power of the evil will be able to harm you in any way. So according to that verse, the way you defeat the dark kingdom of the devil and his demons is you walk on them. <laughs> so like, well, I call you out. I declare I'm going to... If that's what you're doing, they, they've won the battle already. But if you're walking on them, they're giving you a higher vantage point. Now, it doesn't mean you go around looking for critters. It's a symbol but you do have an enemy that needs to be walked on, and he'll never be walked on until you have a realization that you have authority to walk on him. Come on, you guys. Psalms 91.13 says the same thing in a little different verbiage. So my opinion is what Paul was saying in Romans 16.20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He can't do it until we get a revelation that we have authority to actually walk on him. You guys get it? I was never told that demons could mess with Christians. I was kind of raised, well, you need to get saved, you need to get sanctified, get in a Bible study, pay your tithe, don't miss church, and try to live a good life, and you'll get to heaven someday, and it'll be worth it all. I was never told that depression and hopelessness and fear and sickness are tied to a demonic kingdom. I was never told that. There's these verses that just haunt me. It's like, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Well, if the demons aren't a real problem, then how could there be an increase of wickedness? <laughs> Is anybody with me? So I don't want to make you guys feel afraid of demons. I, I just want you to know we have authority over them because we're in Christ and Christ is in us and we're actually Christ's body. And he's the head, he's the head, and we're the body. But according to Ephesians, we're seated in him, right? Which means we're far above everything that we think is our problem. So the problem is we're trying to operate out of the soul instead of out of the spirit. Because if we were operating out of the spirit, we'd be operating out of heaven over what we think is our problem. But when we operate out of emotion, we're trying to get God to come into our problem. 
And we're not supposed to be soul-led. We're supposed to be spirit-led. Far above. Like, how far is far above? Like, far above all evil, principality, darkness, demons, sickness, disease. Far above. I wonder if far above is above. Which means the lowest part of you is way above what you think is your issue. So just walk on it. Here's another phrase of how to, like, defeat the enemy in your life. It's from Ephesians 6. It just says, when you've done all that you know to do, then just stand. That sounds real dangerous, doesn't it? Just, just stand. And he can't touch you because you're standing in faith. And 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. You can't use someone else's faith. You've got to stand in faith. Come on. Here's another way that the, the New Testament writers talk about how you win this spiritual warfare battle. It's like James 4, 7. Submit to God and resist the devil. Doesn't say fighting. Doesn't say punching. Doesn't say hunker down. It doesn't say launch. Bo- it says resist him. How do you resist? It's like, no. Like resist arrest. But don't let him arrest you. Like, resist the devil. Resist. How do you resist him? No, I'm not listening to you. These words are making me feel afraid. Your words are making me feel weak. That must not be life. It has to be death. I'm not going to. No, I resist you. And if all you got to do is resist him, it says he'll flee. He'll flee. And the word flee is a word that means he'll run away in fear. He'll run away in terror. It's like he tucks his tail between his legs and runs away in terror not because of your power to declare the word just resist him or first peter five you have this you have this adversary this devil who tries to look like a lion and he just walks around roaring (laughs) trying to cause somebody to think he can devour him and here's peter's big like Here's, your, here's how you win the battle. Just stand firm in your faith. <laughs> so I don't want to build you up to think you've got to memorize some like mantra. You just actually need to believe that you're far above it. So we all have authority, you guys. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. So his body's in heaven. Our bodies are on earth. He's the head, we're the body. So if his body's in heaven, then heaven's covered with authority because he's up there. But if our body's in earth, then his authority's no good unless we use it. Like if I cut my head off, literally, if I cut my head off and set it on the table, what could my head do without my body? What can Jesus do on the earth without the body? And he's waiting for us to use the authority that he's given us. Right? To make disciples, to change the world, to lead people to repentance, to lead people into the kingdom, to to change the world. And he wants to do all this. It's his desire that nobody would perish. Come on. But he's waiting on the body to use the authority that the head can't use because the head's in heaven. Come on, man. So... We all have authority over demons. Okay. 
Like, I love to do, I love to cast demons out because I just whisper. Like, I hear someone, go and say Jesus. I call, well, you're real confident, aren't you? You know what I do? I look them in the eye and I say, it's time to go. And all you got to do is say go if you actually believe. Like it's one word, man. It's not 12 steps. It's not 13-week class. It's not you got to lather up. It's not that, man. It's like it's time to go now. Now, I had a dream about five, six, about five weeks ago based on Matthew 12, 43, where it says when a demon leaves a man, it goes searching for dry and arid places, trying to find a place to rest. And when it finds none, it comes back and it finds the man's house swept and in order but unoccupied. So it goes with it and gets seven more, more wicked spirits and comes back. And the last day of the man is way worse than before he first got set free. And I woke up in terror. And the Lord says, this is what this dream means. I said, what does it mean? You've always operated with such an anointing that it's easy for you to get rid of the one demon, but you never equipped anybody to keep the seven from coming back. Because I always had an anointing to get people free and get them healed and get them filled with the Spirit, but I never did have a burden to equip them so they didn't lose their victory and allow seven more wicked to come back. And this is what he said to me. He says, you know what the wicked ones are? And I go, oh yeah, I got it. Murder, racism, sexual immorality. No, 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 no. Those are obvious. Those aren't the most wicked ones. The most wicked ones are the ones that people don't even know it's the Satan. They think it's just the way that seems right to man. This is what he told me in the dream. Woke me up in the middle of the night. I was freaked out, man. This is what he said. The seven most wicked spirits are Satan's counterfeit of Isaiah 11, 2's, the seven spirits of God. That's what God told me in the dream, man. Like the first spirit of God is the spirit of God. <laughs> and a lot of people have an encounter with what they think is God's spirit, but their character doesn't change, so it couldn't be God. Or the spirit of counsel. Or the spirit of wisdom. Or the spirit of understanding. Or the spirit of strength, right? Or the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I mean, all these things can be counterfeited, and so Satan's most wicked spirits are the ones that have learned the master art of deception, where you don't even know it's Satan. You just think, well, this is as good as Christianity gets. Let's just hunker down and hold on until we get a breakthrough. Like this one. If the greatest commandment is to love God and love people and love yourself, then what would the greatest perversion of that be? Let's just tolerate sin and call it love. Right? I mean, Satan's not stupid. He's not going to call you, oh, go out and murder your neighbor and have an adulterous affair with her wife. No, he's going to say to you, just think it's okay. You're an exception. Just be tolerant. Don't try to stand for what the Bible really means. Come on, this is a new culture. And you'll just weave just little bits of truth in there, and you'll think it's love. And it's nothing but hate. So we all have authority over demons. I'm glad. And, and we have authority to command angels to help us. I'm glad. You know what we don't have authority over? Pain. <laughs> I don't have authority to cast out pain. And I don't have authority over your spirits. We all got to want to be free ourselves. Are you guys tracking with me? 
And what I found this last year as God has opened my eyes up to the revelation of line three, the emotions, the, the soul, the, the feelings. What I found is that demons, if there's pain in a person's life, they have an entrance that they continue to build strongholds where you never think you can get victory over your area of pain. And pain can't be cast out. Pain has to be healed. And Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. What do you think about that? So this is what I want to do today, you guys. I'm, I think I'm going to be here next Sunday too, so if we don't get done, we can leftovers. <laughs> but really, really, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to lead you through inner healing of your pain. And then we're going to take authority and get rid of all the demonic spirits that afflict us because we've allowed pain not to be healed. Demons are drawn to pain like flies are drawn to manure. And if your pain's healed, there's no thing that draws the demons. They'll just try to tempt you into having an issue, but you can take authority immediately if you don't have pain. So this is what I want us to do. I have a water, Chad. And maybe bust it. I think it's behind me. Like bust the lid. Um, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like everybody to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Can we do that? I've been doing this, you guys, in the last eight churches I've been at. And God's really been doing profound miracles. In fact, open your eyes for a second. I, I want to do the soaking music. I want you guys to open your eyes again. I missed it. Okay. I want to tell you what could happen. Several months ago, I did, a, I did a gathering with 26 churches about 45 miles from my house. And I did this teaching. And after the demons were gone and after the pain was healed, it was so easy to lay hands and watch miracles happen. I laid hands on a 90-year-old lady who fell out in the spirit. And when she got up, she could see again. I didn't pray for her eyes. But the Holy Spirit opened her eyes. Uh, there was a man there catching people. And he was the elder, like the, the older, like deacon. And he had had back surgery and he had a bump sticking out on his back about the size of a golf ball. And he was worried about, am I going to tear my back again? Because he was catching people. And about the fourth person, he went, oh, my. And he goes, and he says, Dan, come here. And I touched his back, and that lump had disappeared. Just, and nobody even prayed for it. But the demons were gone. I, 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 there was a man named Billy who was 59 years old, and he's a Baptist, so they have a hard time believing anything I'm saying. Seriously. Because cessatious, you know, everything's different. It's like, this is a history book, but let's get real. That's the mindset. And... And so he came by the church service on the way to the ER because they were going to have to put him on dialysis because his kidneys shut down. He's in terrible pain. He feels like a knife sticking in both kidneys. His name was Billy. He's 59. We started praying over him in the spirit. And that freaked him out. Like, what is that? Just relax. And then all of a sudden I said, that was a shift. Did you feel that? He goes, yeah, what was that? I said, it must be God. 
And his, his pain left. And then I looked at him and I said, would it hurt you if you just waited till the service is over to go and just see if God does something? Oh, no, it won't hurt me. I've, I've already, my kidneys are already shut down. Okay, well, just stay in the service. So they sat in the back. And that's been almost three months, and he's never gone to the doctor. And there was a man there named Tim. He walked in in a walker, and he carried it out on his shoulder. There was a little 17-year-old boy born autistic. And we were going down the line praying. And all of a sudden, this little boy started crying. And then he convulsed and he manifested. And there were demons. We got rid of the demons. And his story was, he was 17. He had never tasted food, never smelled food, never, taste, never felt temperature on his body. He would wear a coat when it's 100 because he didn't know temperature. And he never stopped doing this his whole life. 17. And that night when... Katie and I and Kevin laid hands on him. He stopped scratching. Pastor Chris Ferguson is one of my best friends now. He hosted this event. He says he can taste food. He can smell food. He knows it's hot. He knows it's cold. He's never scratched his head again. This was a boy born autistic. Those things happened when we got rid of our enemy. <laughs> Yay. I'm so happy. I think you guys are going to get wrecked today. I hope you're ready. But it's a good wreck. It's not a, not a dangerous wreck. It's, it's draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And he's bigger than you, so he'll probably win, he'll win the collision. You get it. So now you can close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do something that's very important. If you want to get free, you can get free this morning. So I want you to be serious about this. If you mean it from your heart, God will really work. You can't be healed with unforgiveness. So I want you to see the person that hurts you. And it may be two or three people. It doesn't matter. We're not in a hurry. I want you to look them in the face. And I want you to be honest and tell them everything they did. Maybe somebody sexually abused you. Maybe somebody took your money. Maybe somebody lied. Maybe somebody beat you. But I want you to look them in the face and I want you to start telling them all the things they did that were wrong and express it because pain has to have a voice. You can't just hope that time will heal because time doesn't heal. Maybe it was your dad that never showed you protection and never, maybe it was your mom that never made you feel safe or comfortable. It doesn't matter, you guys. We got to look them in the eye and start listing all the things they did that hurt you. And I, and I, want, I want you to take your time so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal everything in our hearts that need to be healed right now. Now, look at the person in your, in your mind, in your spirit, and start telling them all the things they did that hurt you. Maybe it's your spouse. Don't leave anything out. I'm just going to give you time to do it. Maybe it was your church board. Maybe it was your kids. Don't leave anything out. They hurt you, and it was wrong. See, I don't want you to forgive them yet. Don't forgive them. List it. Look at 
Tell them what it cost you your whole life. Be honest, because truth sets us free, but we got to be truthful to cash in on truth. We can't act like we got it all together if we're hurting. Tell them, man, don't leave anything out. Don't rush it. If you if you feel rushed, don't feel rushed. I want you to express everything that's been done. You gotta let it out. And if you finish with one person, go to the next one. If there's more than one person, just when I've been through this, I had like five different people that I had to really get serious and. Come on, some of you have been holding this pain for 50 years, 60 years. You, you, need to, you need to let it go. You need to tell them. You don't need to be strong. You need to be weak enough so that God can heal. Father, I come against the spirit of fear because there's fear attacking people. And they're afraid if they get vulnerable, it'll hurt. But, Lord, this is the pathway to freedom. It's, it's the pathway to healing. Give them courage to face it. We can't run and hide in a cave. We got to turn around and face what we've been running from our whole life.
Tell them everything. Tell them everything. Tell them what it's cost you. Tell them how it's affected you your whole life. Now, if you need more time, raise your hand. I don't want to rush anybody. If you need a little more time. Okay, I want you to transition with me. I want you to take your eyes away from the person that's hurt you and caused you pain. And I want you now to look into the eyes of Jesus. Would you do that? Look into the eyes of Jesus. And look at him looking at you. I don't want you to forgive him yet. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to look at Jesus. And I want you to see how he sees you. Now I want you to ask him, Jesus, if I give this debt that this person owes me to you, what will you give me in exchange? Ask Jesus. Because it's a debt. They owe you. that It's wrong. It's not right what they did. It's not right. But ask Jesus, what will you give me if I give this debt to you? I think you'll like what he says. He's amazing. <laughs> he takes like pain and gives joy. He takes heaviness and gives gladness. He takes brokenness makes miracles he's like this amazing exchanger he's the god of the great exchange what does he tell you does he tell you joy does he tell you love does he tell you peace does he tell you freedom now everybody would you look at me for a minute everybody look at me i want to see you if you think now, this is, I want you to be honest, because if you're not honest, nothing happens, because we know he's truth. But his truth can't affect us unless our truth meets his truth. We have to be truthful to cash in on truth. So I want to ask you, do you think what Jesus is offering you is a better deal than you holding on to your pain? <laughs> Yay. Yay. So, why don't you tell him, okay, I give it to you. Tell him that in your spirit. I give all this debt to you. I set them free. I'm no longer going to hold them, keeping me in prison, trying to hold them accountable because they didn't know you, obviously, or they wouldn't have done what they did. So, I give the whole debt to you, Jesus, and now I forgive them. And I want you to look at the people in their eyes and tell them you forgive them. And mean it. Amen.
Amen. I can't tell you how light I felt when I did this. It's like I was born again. <laughs> Yay, I'm so happy. Come on, you guys happy? Aren't you glad? Come on. So, he really did. He took the debt. Aren't you glad? We're not designed to carry the debt people owe us. We're designed to give the ongoing debt to love them. Amen. So we've, we've forgiven the people that have hurt us. Now I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and do the same thing because you know you've hurt people. This was a lot harder for me to do than the people, especially the way I treated my wife, man. I had to look in the mirror and say, you've done this, 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 this. Holy smokes, the, the mirror can be like the most dangerous thing on the earth. And a lot of times when we're not healed, we're afraid to look at it in the natural. That's why you need to close your eyes and look in the mirror. And see yourself. See yourself. And list all the things that you know you've done that's wrong, that's hurt people. Come on, I... I remember one time I said something to my boy that just shattered my heart that I couldn't believe I said it. And I've had to apologize to myself a thousand times. Look at yourself and list all the things that you know you've done to hurt people. Things you've said, attitudes you've had, unforgiveness and offense that you've harbored. Because you've got to forgive yourself if you're going to love yourself. And if you never learn to love yourself, how will we ever love people? And so we've got to get this. Come on, you guys. List it, man. List it. List it. You did this. You did this. You did this. You did this. And when you get to the end of everything that the Holy Spirit highlights, look at Jesus and say, Jesus, if I give up my debt, I'll never be able to pay and forgive myself for real. What will you give me? Jesus, what will you give me if I really forgive myself and love myself? And if you think the exchange is worth it, why don't you let yourself go? Quit holding yourself hostage. Forgive yourself. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you feel like God's lifted like a 800-pound weight off your shoulders? Like, seriously. Yeah, I like that. Amen. Amen. So we got one more thing to do, you guys. We got one more thing to do. A lot of people have issues with God. <laughs> like, why didn't you answer my prayer? Like, how did you let Biden get in office? Like, how did you let Corona hit? Like, why did my spouse die? Why is my family not in revival? 
Why don't my kids love you? Why? And I'm not telling you you've got to forgive God because that would be the most stupid thing. So don't read something into what I'm saying. You don't need to forgive God because he like, he's probably never done anything wrong. No, he's never done anything wrong. Come on. Now, I want a new hip. I want a new left hip, but it wasn't God's fault that I pulled out in front of a semi-truck. I want to see my family in revival, all 25 of them. I want to see revival hit the church. But I can't hold God accountable because I'm not getting what I want. So I want you to look him in the eye and list the things that you're disappointed in. List, why don't you fix this relationship? Why don't you fix this problem? Why don't you heal this disease? What? List it. List the things you're disappointed with. He's waiting on honesty. It's like, Dad, you never even gave me a goat. I know, son, the whole farm's yours. I've just been waiting on you to get real. He can't heal what we conceal, man. We have to uncover it. That's why this is so important. Everything you'll reveal in the open, he can heal. So list everything you're disappointed in. Why did this go this? Why did this... Why'd the family go this way? Why'd the ministry? Why did you let my business from me? It's listed all. And when you know you've listed it all, and this is what I want you to do, I want you to look in, in, in his eyes. And if you mean it, this may be the most important thing you ever do. If you mean it, tell him in spite of all of it, I choose to trust you. I trust you. Like, I, I, I don't understand it, but I'll lay my life down. I'll trust you. Because I know you're good. And I know you're holy. And I know you're working, man. I know you're working. And I, don't, I may never see what I want, but I trust you. Come on, man. Yay. No one who's ever put their trust in him has ever been put to shame. Are you glad about that? So we've forgiven others. We've forgiven ourselves. And we've trusted God. Now I want you to do one more thing. Ask the Holy Spirit. In fact, I want you to say this out loud. Repeat it out loud. Just say, Holy Spirit, have I made any promises because of my pain that I need to break? Have I made any ungodly vows that I need to sever now in Jesus' name? And let me explain a vow. It's like, okay, God, I got hurt, so I'm never opening up my heart again. That probably wouldn't be godly. Or I'm not ever going to be disappointed, so I'm never going to believe. That's not a godly vow. Like, I promise you, believers that don't believe... You're not disappointed. You're just bored and you quit. But if you're really going to believe, there'll be a lot of heartache. Well, we can trust him more and more, right? Come on. So if there's anything the Holy Spirit highlights, just break it off. Just say, I break that. I'm not keeping that promise. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to let my guard down. I'm going to love again. I'm going to dream again. I'm going to soar again. I'm not going to allow myself to be defeated. So just get real and let's get rid of all the ungodly vows. 
The only, un, the only vows we make are holy vows to God. Amen. So I'm going to pray a prayer for healing now, right? You guys, have, you guys are forgiven, so now you can be healed. Yay. Jesus is the healer. We're not healers. Come on, I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. So, Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters that have forgiven themselves. They've forgiven people, and they've trusted you, and they're, and they're doing everything that they know to do. They're walking by faith. They're not walking by feeling. This is a choice, man. Corey Tin Boom says you can choose to forgive. We choose to forgive. Now, Father, I pray that you would unleash healing into every heart. You came to bind up broken hearts. I pray the pain, the sting, the hurt, the disappointment would be replaced by a spring of peace and joy and happiness and love. And we would walk in healing. And we'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. And if you receive it, say amen. Amen. So we're, we're almost done. Now we're going to take authority over the demons and get rid of them. How about that? Let's, let, let's like have a no demon zone. First of all, I want to give you a, a, a bit of good news. If you're a Christian, the demons aren't in your spirit. They can't get in there. It's impossible. Come on, you guys. First John 5, you're handled by God. You're no longer handled by the devil in your spirit. The blood covers you. In fact, the devil couldn't live in the atmosphere of your spirit because it's heaven, and they got kicked out. Heaven's in your spirit. Are you with me? So don't worry. Well, how can a demon be in me? Well, because they, they don't get in your spirit, but they never stop trying to get in your head. They never shut up. Have you noticed that? When do they take a break? Like we, we're, as soon as Sunday's over, we're, we know we're off for a day. They don't go off. All the way home, they'll be yakking. Right? Come on, if you just amen me, it'll make this so much less painful. I promise. Second Corinthians eleven two, Paul says we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. We know his schemes. It's one. He has one scheme. It's a mind game to weave a little bit of truth into your pain so that you start thinking, well, this is as good as it gets, and then you allow his lies, and you agree with them, and all of a sudden strongholds are developed, and now you think, well, this is just the way Christianity is, so suck it up and enjoy the misery. But we have power to demolish strongholds. Like, just as we agree with the devil's lies to develop bad strongholds, if we could get those torn down, we could actually believe God's truth and develop strongholds that keep the devil out. Like, I want good strongholds. Like, I want to be so surrounded with truth that when a little bit of a tidbit of a lie comes, it makes me feel nauseous, like there's no room for you. I'm full of truth. Amen? So the Bible lists 16 spirits that if you agree with them, they can develop strongholds. And they don't leave unless you take authority to ask them to leave. They don't leave. Like they're comfortable with you. Am I right? Like, like I remember this one time I was preaching. Actually, I was in Pennsylvania. I'll never forget it. It was in California, Pennsylvania. And I was talking about holiness. And all of a sudden, this memory of when I used to watch porn 
came across where I could see it as I'm talking about how holy we could be. There it is. Didn't come from my heart. Must have been a demon trying to bring the spirit of perversion. Is anybody happy I'm preaching this? And so what I did was I just started worshiping. And what I found is worship is like a demon repellent. Like if you start worshiping, it's like it freaks him out. It burns his skin. It's like he says, okay, this was not given in. Um, because they're never going to stop trying, man. Like in, in Acts 19, when the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out demons, they said, in Jesus' name, in Paul whom preaches, we cast you out. And the demon says, Jesus we know, and Paul we know about, we can't figure him out. Because every time we try to hurt him, he writes a new book of the Bible. So we don't understand Paul. But, but who are you? Now here's the deal. If you're actually known in heaven, you're known in hell. You cannot be known in hell if you're known in heaven. Yay? So, hmm. so I've found that when I'm in a hotel room lonely and missing everything that's family and the demons come and try to monopolize on the pain of loneliness, the only remedy is not to try to focus on fighting demons. The remedy is thanking God for how good He is, praising Him for how wonderful He is. And when He fills the room, the demons leave. Yay. So I'm going to go over these 16 spirits, and then we're going to take authority and cast them out. I'm just going to list them real quick. And if you want to take a picture of this, I wrote them in my new Bible. You can come up and just take a picture with your phone. I should have printed it off. My wife says, why don't you make handouts? I don't know how to make handouts. Maybe Chad will make you a handout. So, so here's the 16 spirits that the Bible says can lead to strongholds if you agree with them in any way. And the reason why I wanted us to get rid of our pain is because these spirits are drawn to pain. Are you with me? So the first one is the spirit of pride. And we know that's a biggie. That's why Satan's down here. Because he got prideful. And what is the fruit of pride? Self. When you think you're more important than others, that's pride. When you think your family's more important than other people's, that's pride. When you think your finances are more important than the kingdom, that's pride. Any self-elevation's pride. That's why there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. There's a deny yourself call to pick up your cross prayer. Come on. So to counteract the spirit of pride, you've got to get rid of self because pride elevates self. And, and a verse would be Proverbs 16, 18, like pride comes before the fall. Okay, the second spirit is a spirit of jealousy. Competition, division, strife. Why no churches get along? Why no families get along? Why we don't take cities because we're always trying to regroup from our own personal losses. Because there's jealousy. Yay? I'm, I'm not yay, but that's my new amen. <laughs> it sounds better than amen. Like, yay. Okay, maybe you catch on. First um, Peter 2, 1 through 2, James 3, 16. Okay, the third spirit is the spirit of fear. This has been the most prevalent spirit in the church in the last year and a half. We're afraid to touch each other. 
We're afraid to gather. The spirit of fear, man. There's too many verses to list. 2 Timothy 1.7, Job 3.25, and there's 365 fear not verses. Here's the spirit of fear. You're afraid. You're afraid of the future. You're afraid of the past. You're afraid of sickness. You're afraid of death. You're afraid of COVID. You're afraid of your job. You're afraid of not having fear. It's like fear identifies you. It's everywhere. You're a fear of your your provision. You're a fear of your calling. You just have fear. Well, if your heart's forgiven and your heart's pure, where does that come from? We must have an enemy. And if he can talk us into fear, there's no faith in love. Because you're either in faith and love or fear. There's no middle ground. Come on, you guys. So we got to take authority. By the way, we have authority. Aren't you glad? All of us have authority. The next one is a spirit of bondage. And this is usually because of father wounds. I had to forgive my daddy for something he didn't even know he did. It's crazy, you guys. My daddy was my hero growing up. He's my hero. But he wasn't there. He was gone evangelizing. And I didn't know how much it hurt me. I was afraid to stand up. I was, af- I was always in fear because of my daddy not being there. And when he would come home, it's big pizza parties, big parties. He'd always bring games, and that was my life, man. Dad comes home, we get gifts. But he wasn't there. I had to forgive him. So the spirit, of, listen to this, the spirit of bondage is like Romans 8.15, John 14.18. It's the orphan spirit. It's where you don't ever think you're worthy. You don't ever measure up. It's not me. God can use somebody else. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I don't have enough pedigree. I don't have enough education. They don't really have, they don't care what I have to say. I'm an orphan. No, you're not. It's a spirit of bondage. Come on. The spirit of bondage brings a poverty mindset. That's why so many people in the church struggle financially because you think if you give God what he wants, he won't take care of you. That's a poverty mindset. The, the, the spirit of bondage is a victim mindset. You're always a victim. The spirit of bondage is what leads to addictions. Food addictions, drug addictions, TV addictions, game addictions, gambling addictions, porn addictions, sex addictions. It's a spirit of bondage. Aren't you glad all of us in this room have authority over these demonic spirits? Aren't you glad? I'm just listing them so we can take authority and get rid of them. Are you with me? Then the next one is the spirit of divination or witchcraft. Divination. It's Acts 16, 16, Isaiah 8, 19, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 4. There's too many to list. The spirit of divination. It's witchcraft, it's a cult, it's Freemasonry, it's talking to the dead, it's just, it's rebellion. It's rebellion. When you know what God says and you say, well, I'm going to do what I want anyway, it's, that's divination. You don't have to seek a seance or read tarot cards or look at your astrology to be in divination. All you got to do is buy into the world system. The pharmaceutical system, I don't even want to go there, but it's a part of it. They want to keep you not well and not dying, just a little sick. 
So these three pills will lead to that pill, which will lead to that pill, and you'll be on 19 pills that they're practicing, and you'll never get better. Or we could get rid of them. Like, get rid of the spirit. Is anybody happy? Like, you just all looked at me real weird. <sighs> the next one is the spirit of error. It's 1 John 4, 6. It's, it's half truth. The spirit of error is the spirit of religion. It's, 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 it's a form of godliness, but you don't think there's power. So we just got to suffer with our depression. We got to suffer with our fear. Come on. We got to suffer with our sickness. We just, it's as good as it gets. That's a spirit of error. I have found that there are some big spirits of error in the American church. Do you guys agree with this? Like one of them is everybody has to sin. Where's that in the Bible? Well, we're all sinners. Really? What book is that? Well, I don't know. I just heard it. Where'd you hear it? Before Christ died, we're all evil. We're all wicked. We're all reprobate. We're all hopeless. We're all dead. After he rose, we're justified. We're clean. We're holy. We're beloved. We're family. We're set free from sin. Come on, you guys. So why does 80% why does 80% of Christians think, well, you did better confess? <sighs> read, read Romans 6. There's 14 lines. You're free from sin. You're free from sin. You're free. It's like he's bipolar. You're free from sin. You're free from sin. You're free from sin. You're free from sin. Now that you've been set free from sin, the result is sanctification, which is eternal life. You're free from sin. It's been happening. It's in the past tense. It's already happened. You're free. Hey. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Really? Read the book. So that's one spirit of error that's everywhere. Another one is this. We believe in the gospel. We believe in the kingdom, but we just don't believe there's really enough power to set us free. It's 2 Timothy 3.5. It's a form of godliness that denies the power. That's a spirit of error. I could go on. I'm not, I don't think I should keep doing that. I'm, I, then the next one's a lying spirit. Um, that was Second Chronicles 18.22. A lying spirit is false prophets, superstitions, all lies, exaggerations, lies. It's a spirit. And the next one is the spirit of perversion. Isaiah 19, 14, Romans 1, 25 through 27. It's, it's lust. It's sexual sin of all kind. Do you guys think there's a spirit of perversion like rampant in the church? Come on, you guys. It's everywhere. You can't even look at people and love them because you get tainted because your mind's twisted. It's like it's a spirit. My goal is, to, is for all of us to experience John 17 love where we actually can love each other like God loves us. With no perversion? Wouldn't that be amazing? And then the next one is the spirit of seduction. This is everywhere in the church, you guys. The spirit of seduction is 1 Timothy 4.1. It's 
flattery, it's performance-based, it's Jezebel, control, it's Delilah, seduction, it's Ahab, just let them run and don't worry about taking care of them as a shepherd or a boss or a father. It's just, it's the spirit of seduction. It's like, oh, you're so anointed, you're so gifted because you hope they'll give you something in return. Or you'll just work really, really hard when people see you because your whole identity is based on what people say and that's just the spirit of seduction. It's everywhere. Do we need to get rid of it? Come on, you guys. And, and the next one is the spirit of harlotry. And this has been on my family, man. Harlotry, Jeremiah 10, 21, Hosea 8, 4, Hosea 9, 1. The spirit of harlotry is you're never satisfied. You always need more of what the earth can offer. I need more retirement. I need more gigs. I need more followers. I need more anointing. I need more friends. I need more whatever. And it's like, when is enough enough? It's a spirit of harlotry. It's the Babylonian system of the world, man. The world wants to give you pleasure so you're satisfied with the world. And I promise you the Babylonian spirit of harlotry is going to collapse in one hour. So you better start getting satisfied with Jesus. Come on, man. You don't need more of what the world has. You just need more of Jesus. And it's been on my family. My whole family. And I got to break this, man. I hate it. I don't want, I mean, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. And then the next one is the spirit of Antichrist. 1 John 4, 3, 2 John 7. There's, we've always known there's Antichrist. And there will be one Antichrist, and there's a system of Antichrist. But here's, what, here's the fruit. Here's the fruit that I need you to identify. If you, if you operate in this, this is the fruit. You think your thoughts are more important than God's. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I'm the exception, really. Come on, you guys. we got to get rid of it. And, and the next one would be the spirit of stupor. This is all over the church. By the way, it's on this church. Yay. Some of y'all say, yay. Here's the spirit of stupor. The spirit of stupor is Romans 11.8, Isaiah 29.10, Revelation 3.1. The spirit of stupor comes against the prophetic, and it blocks you from hearing the voice of God, and it makes it hard for you to understand the things of the spirit, and it makes you think, well, I don't have nothing to say because I don't hear like that person. And it's a spirit that keeps you from being tuned in to what the new covenant's all about. And so you're afraid to say anything because you don't think it's relevant because you don't even know how to hear. And it's a spirit. And if it's gone, you won't be able to get enough of the Bible. And you won't be able to get enough of quiet time. You won't have to turn on a device to be entertained. Being in his presence will be the most entertaining thing you'll have all day long. But you got to get rid of it. Somebody needs to take authority and get rid of the spirit of stupor. This is so good. I stole this whole message out of the Bible. <laughs> I did. I did. And the next one is the spirit of infirmity. Luke 13, 11, sickness and disease. Demons not only can get in your mind and your thoughts, they can get in your body. They can get in your body. I was in um, Overland Park 
three, four weeks ago doing a meeting, a three-day meeting where I do this in three days instead of one service. And the last night, I called a lady up on a walker, and she was elderly, 70-ish, maybe 68. I don't know. I didn't ask her age. She was older, old, older, older than me. I'm 60, um, and I have the hair to prove it. And I looked at her, and I said, what's wrong with you? She listed 12 diseases. Whoa. And then I saw a demon on her left hip, looked like a koala bear, with his arms all the way around her waist, latched on her left hip. I saw it. That was cool. And I'm looking at it, trying to act like I don't see it, because people think you're cuckoo. Come on, I don't want people to think that. So I'm looking at it, and the Holy Spirit whispers to me, act like you're going to hit it. I'm like, what do you mean? Just swing your arm like you're going to hit her hip, but don't touch her. Just act like you're going to. I said, in public? Yeah, do it right now. Are you sure? Because you got to test the spirits. Is this, is this me? Like, no, this is not me. I don't want to act like I'm going to hit someone on a walker. has to be God. So you test the spirits. So I go like this twice. And she's looking at me like, you're crazy. And I said, I'm just smiling at her. Pastor's standing right next to me. My team, I got like five people here working with me. We're looking at this lady. They're, they're all looking at me like, okay. And then the spirit whispers to me, now the demon knows you see it. And he knows that you know right where he's at. And he knows that he could either leave peacefully or it could be very painful for him. So just tell him it's time to leave. So I looked at her hip. I said, you know, because he just told me that. You probably heard it too, so you probably have to leave now. And I watched it run off. It, I just saw it leave. It was a spirit of infirmity. She had 12 diseases. It's a Christian lady. Been in church her whole life. It'd be like the lady in Luke 13. Been over 18 years. Everybody thought it was a physical condition. And Jesus saw it was a spirit of infirmity. You can't see unless you're healed. So I, I looked at her. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you now. The spirit just left. She didn't tell. You can't tell. You can't feel the spirit. You feel the symptoms of what he causes. So I put my hand on her head. I prayed healing now be released. And I got to see the healing. This is weird, you guys. It didn't come through my hand. I saw it come through her feet, go up her calves, through her knees, up her help, through her pelvis, her stomach, up through her chest, all the way up to the top of her head, ran around her head, went down her shoulders, down her elbows, out her hands. I watched the healing go through her. I saw it. I actually was talking about it as it was doing it. She's kind of looking at me, yeah, it does feel that way. And then I watched it leave her fingers, and healing went all the way through her body. And this is a lady that's been on a wheelchair 10 years with 12 diseases, can't walk, and all, all of her weight's on her hands. I just said, you don't have to have the walker down. God just healed you. She goes, are you sure? I said, I am positive. Start walking. So she did. Her husband goes, oh, my God. Yeah, it was. It was God. Come on. So she's walking around the room. And, and then one of her diseases was vertigo. Like if she bends over, she passes out. I said, bend over. Are you sure? Positive. She bends over. Oh, I'm not dizzy. She keeps bending over. She's just walking laps, man. 
So we probably ought to take authority over the spirit of infirmity. Amen? It may not be a spirit of infirmity, but what if it is? Well, we'll never know unless we get rid of it. Amen? Then the next one is this deaf and dumb spirit. Mark 9, 25, deaf and dumb. It causes bipolar, schizophrenia, Parkinson's, depression, anxiety. It's a spirit. Let's take authority and get rid of it. I had a lady come up to me several weeks ago when I cast this spirit out of her, and she had a testimony. A week later, she goes, my daddy was a doctor, and he died from Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. My mama was a stay-at-home mom, and she died of the same thing. For the past three or four years, I have the exact same symptoms. I can't pass my memory test. I can't remember. I can't read my Bible. I have a hard time talking. When you cast the Spirit out, I could remember again. And now I can read my Bible. And now I can talk. I'm healed. Well, I didn't pray for a healing. We cast the Spirit out. Yay? Amen. And then the next one is the spirit of death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, Revelation 1, 18. The spirit of death, car accidents, injuries, hurt all the time, abortion, miscarriages, accident prone. You never can dream because every time you start getting your hopes up, something steals it and you're afraid to dream. It's the spirit of death. I've had this my whole life. I didn't even know it, man. Like when I was a kid, I remember when I was two years old, my mom and dad says every night I would unlock the gate on my upper bunk bed and fall on my head. Every night I would fall out of a two-story bunk bed and hit my head every night. I'd wake up screaming, blood all over my face. I did it every night. You'd think I'd learn. Don't open the gate. Come on. I remember when I was a little kid, I was riding my bicycle home from college church, and we lived up on the corner in front of it, and I, I, I just remember I was riding my bike, and the, 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 brake, the brake cable came loose and stuck in the front spokes, and I flipped over. Broke my chin open, busted my wrist, had to have a cast. When I was a kid, I remember I was sledding when I was in high school, and I hit a tree going 45 miles an hour and snapped all the muscles in the side of my leg. I remember when I used to work construction, one time I set a saw down on my knee, a chainsaw. <laughs> Wrapped it up with my shirt and drove myself to the ER. Another time I dropped a saw on this thumb, that's why I can't bend it. Almost cut, I just wrapped it up in my glove and drove myself to the ER. One time I fell off the side of a house, and I hit this metal thing called a snap tie, and it cut all the way down my leg about a quarter of an inch from my big artery. I'd be dead, but it just didn't kill me. I mean, I wrecked so many times on motorcycles. One time my wife and I, we hit the back of a car and flew over the front. I remember I've only totaled three cars, <laughs> and the last one was when a semi hit me in 1995. <laughs> Spirit of death. I must have an enemy. My boy Chad's had it. When he was a little boy, he couldn't breathe. And he's had accidents all his life. Recently ran into a wall. 
we got to take authority. We have enemies. Is anybody with me? These things don't come from your heart. They're spirits that have assignments to try to take us out. Amen. And the last one is the spirit of heaviness. It's all over the church. It's all over the church, you guys. It's Isaiah 61.3. You feel hopeless. You feel depressed. You have low self-esteem. You have self-pity. You're emotionally dead. Most of the spirit of heaviness comes from mother wounds. Now, here's the good news. We all have authority over all these spirits. <laughs> Yay. So we're going to do something. I'm going to have you stand because you can't take authority setting. So I want you to stand. Everybody stand. And I want you to say it with your loudest voice. I want you to repeat after me, okay? Say, in Jesus' name, in the power of his blood, I take authority over these spirits. I speak to my generational lines behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. I repent and I renounce, and I cast out the spirit of pride and all selfishness, the spirit of jealousy and all division and all competition, the spirit of fear and unbelief and the fear of man and the fear of sickness and the fear of death, and the spirit of bondage, and the spirit of lack, and the orphan mentality, and all my addictions. I take the authority that you've given me, and I tell all you four spirits, go to the foot of the cross where you belong. You're no longer in me. I'm free by the blood of Jesus, and I will walk in freedom the rest of my life. And when you come back, I'll be aware, and you'll have no entrance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you praise God for that? Come on. We have 12 more. We have 12 more, but let's be sincere. Let's mean it. Take authority. Okay. In Jesus' name. In the power of his shed blood, I speak to my generational lines behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. I repent and renounce, and I cast out the spirit of divination, witchcraft, occult, error, false truth, form of godliness, spirit of religion. A lying spirit, false prophets, superstitions, any lies, a spirit of perversion, all lust, all pornography, all masturbation, all self, all perversion. I cast all of you out of my mind, of my memories. I take authority and I repent and I renounce. And I send you to the foot of the cross where you belong. You have no power over me.
I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. So I walk in victory all the rest of my life. And when you try to come back, you won't have entrance because I'm free. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you just praise God? Praise God, guys. Come on. We have eight more. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the power of your shed blood, I speak to my generational lines. Come on, say it with me. Stay with me. I speak to my generational lines. Behind me, in front of me, and on both sides of me. I repent and I renounce. And I cast out the spirit of seduction, performance-based, flattery, manipulation. I repent and I renounce the world system of harlotry and never being satisfied and all forms of idolatry. I repent and I renounce the spirit of Antichrist and me thinking my thoughts are higher than yours. I repent and I renounce the spirit of stupor. Leave now. I will hear the voice of God. The prophetic will flow freely in me. The voice of God will be my highest treasure. I send all four of you spirits to the foot of the cross, and you deal with Jesus because I'm free. I will walk in freedom the rest of my life. I will never be in bondage again to these spirits because the blood covers me, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the power of his blood, I repent and I renounce the spirit of infirmity, all sickness, all disease, all the curse of the law. I repent of it. I renounce it, and I cast it out. It has no right in my body. I'm free. I repent and I renounce the spirit of deaf and dumb. I'll have a sound mind. I'll have a great memory. I will not have brain defects. I will walk in victory. I repent and I renounce the spirit of death. I'm not accident prone. I'm not clumsy. I'm not car accident prone. I'm not losing my dreams. I will live and I will not die. And I will declare the marvelous works of the Lord. I repent and I renounce of the spirit of heaviness, hopelessness, self-pity, depression, low self-esteem, emotional deadness. My emotions are coming alive now. I cast all four of you spirits to the foot of the cross. You're not my problem. Jesus will deal with you. I'm covered by the blood. For the rest of my days, 
when any of you 16 come. Amen. Can you guys be seated? Can you guys be seated? I got to wrap this up. I don't even know what time it is. 12 o'clock. Holy smokes. Is that prophetic? 12 o'clock and I'm done. I didn't plan it. Yay. Here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to focus on as you leave the service and Maybe next week since we got rid of the demons and you'll take authority when they come back this week because they'll come back. But don't let them take root. Don't let them set up camp. Now that you're free and you don't have the pain, come on, now you can just take authority and spiritual warfare is easy when you don't have strongholds. You just get rid of them. Amen? But here's what I want you to think of. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen to me. Your best meal is right in the midst of all these ones that think they can get in you. Stop worrying about your enemy and start focusing on what he's put on the table. Joy, satisfaction, peace, victory. Come on, man, it's on the table in the presence of all your enemies. There's coming a day when they'll all be cast in the lake of fire. Aren't you glad? Until then, we got authority, and we walk in victory, and we're covered by the blood. So amen. Amen. Come on. Let's praise Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. So next week, uh, next week, I'm going to focus on just healing because this is like now we got the foundation laid. And so next week, let's just have a healing service and invite everybody you know that needs healing. And let's just have this be a place that's known for healing. And then this room won't be big enough. You have to have two services. Would anybody like that? Amen. Are you guys happy? Are you really happy? Okay, so here's what I need to do. Because I won't take an offer, I won't take a check from the church. Because the Lord told me this year to change the way I do this. It's weird. It's counterintuitive. I've been to a lot of places, and I won't take a check from the church. But I want an offering from the people that are affected by the ministry. I don't want to be a burden to the church. But if you guys believe that what I'm doing is important enough to sow into, then you can write a check to Becoming Love Ministries. You can come up and put cash on this table. Cash works. I have a credit card thing on my phone. If my wife will go get the little green bag out of my console, honey, I can swipe credit cards. That's three ways you can give. I can swipe a credit card. You can put cash on this table. Or you can write a check to Becoming Love Ministries. You can't get tax credit for cash. But you can for a credit card or a check. And I don't want a check from Cornerstone. The Lord told me never be a burden to a church again. And this year I've had more offerings like I can't, I can't explain them because people actually like to give where God touches them. I'm happy. Yay? Come on, this should be the most exciting part of the service because where your treasury is, your heart is. And if your heart's free, then you probably should let... Now, if you're grumpy, I don't want a penny because God likes cheerful givers. Come on. Look at that, the first one. See that? Yeah, see how easy that is? Come on. So this is the offering. If you want to write a check, if you want to give cash, if you want to use a credit card, 
Honey, here's my keypad. If you want to go get the credit card thing for me, please give me a hug, honey. I love you. If you want to give an offering, come on up. If you want to use a credit card, come on up. If you want to write a check, write a check. And I'll see you next Sunday unless Chaz decides to do something before that. Because, yeah, amen. Chad, you want to say something? Hey, you're dismissed after you give your offering if you're cheerful. But not if you're grumpy.